This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. I'm sorry the marching band is busy. They had a flat tire. They couldn't get here. Uh, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Hello. You got a haircut. Well, you noticed. <laughs> Why did you cut it when it's so... Thin? <laughs> I was trying to be polite. Well, even thin hair gets a little long in places. I guess. So, but it looks nice. Well, I mean, you. you look uh, very... Distinguished. That was one of the words. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had to help you on that. <laughs> oh. so what's going on in Dr. History's world? Well, Have so, we heard everything, anything at all from Dr. Budweiser, Schneechel Fluster? I haven't heard from him for a while. Okay. But uh, I don't know. Maybe he's busy or whatever. Oh, okay. All so, right. So, Buffalo Bill Cody. Yes, I know him well. You know him Went well. Went to school with his sister. Yeah. So, he... Uh, we know all about his shows, yeah. all the other stuff that he The Wild did. West shows. The Wild West shows. Yeah. But did you know he got into mining? Did you know he did that? Before all that? During. No. Yeah, during. No. So this is kind of a different side of Buffalo Bill Cody. So uh, down there in Arizona in the San, Santa Catalina Mountains, eight miles east of Oracle, Arizona. Have Ooh. you ever heard of Oracle? No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Help me a minute. It's a little uh, tiny. I'm going to say, isn't that down there by Tucson? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I should have looked that up. It's the Santa Catalina Mountains. I'm not sure. And Oracle is just this little tiny, yeah. like Hamlet type yeah. thing. Well, you'd never confuse Oracle with Phoenix. No, <laughs> you wouldn't. <laughs> so there's a honeycomb of mines that were once owned by William F. Buffalo Bill Cody. Did not know A whole that. bunch. 
So his mining extravaganza is probably the least known of all of his money-making ventures, yet in the nearly 100 claims he held, he invested and lost a half million dollars in seven years. Now, this is the early 1900s. Half million dollars, that's 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 a lot of money. Did he not study his investments? Well, you'll see as we go along oh. that uh, sometimes you should stick to what you do best. Yeah. Anyway, Cody's mines produced gold, silver, tungsten, and lead, and in 1910, they were yielding $30 per ton, and with that encouragement, he pushed ahead despite an unprofitable venture in mining in 1902, eight years earlier. So he he just had this something. He just wanted to make it in mining. He just yeah. had to had to keep going, you know. Uh-huh. So Cody loved the challenge and he loved money and what he could do with it. He was even less than careful when it came to spending, but he was never self indulgent. On the contrary, Bill was generous to a fault and never mistreated his fellow man. It has been said that after a show, he lined his pockets with silver dollars and went into town distributing them to his cronies and loungers and about anybody that he came in contact with. Would you remember and realize how important that would be today, the value of those silver yeah, dollars? Right. I wonder if any of them are still around. That's You know, there's got to be because there's silver dollars. We've, I know I've got some from the eighteen hundred, late 1800s. Well, yeah, but that's when you were born. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> We won't go into that. Okay. It's been said that, like I said, he went about town. When he was around, no one ever paid the bill. He supported his wife, Lulu, and their four children really well. Lulu. Lulu. When show business was good and his annual income amounted to 125000 uh, he felt pretty good about that. But for the most part, Bill was always short of cash. Mm. Yet he continued to spend. Not a good combination. He bought a house for his sister Helen for $30,000 in Duluth, Minnesota, and a printing press for her husband. Near Cody, Wyoming, he bought 40,000 acres of land and built what they called the Irma Hotel, which is named for his daughter in a town that only had 1,000 people at that time. Yeah, built I've a, been there. Built a hotel. You've been there, too. Yeah, I've you? been there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So in 1905, while he was uh, borrowing money to pay $150,000 to winter his show in England, he sent $500 to his sister, Julia, uh, to pay on her house, $300 to his sister, Helen, and $250 in gold to his daughter, Irma, for a horse to draw her dog cart. Okay. You know, so, you and I were born too late. I can think of a lot of things we could stick out our hand for. But not a dog cart, yeah. of course. Anyway, his uh, benevolence extended beyond his family. In 1879, he sent $5,000 to the victims of the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Mm-hmm. And in 1906, he sent $1,000 to San Francisco after the earthquake. And it was said that no church was built in Cody, Wyoming during his lifetime without a generous contribution from him. Take your mic and turn it that way. Just uh, How's perfect. that? Oh, you're absolutely okay. perfect. Thank so you. generous to a fault. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he 
struggled financially to have money. He just didn't he have anybody working for him that might have been a money manager? I guess not. He wow. just did what he needed to do. But because he was always uh, kind of a shaky financial situation, Bill was never was always interested in making a fast dollar and dabbled in mining as early as 1902. Mm. And little is known about the venture other than it was unsuccessful. But mining, it kind of caught his fancy. He was in, just enthused and fascinated with mining. And I, to me, it's almost like gambling, you know. Worse. Well, yeah, because you can put a ton of money into something and it doesn't go anywhere. Really? So according to an old Tucson newspaper, Cody got back into the mining business through a guy named Captain John D. Burgess, a Tucson resident. And well, see, you're already answering the question as to where Oracle is. I said it was down by Tucson. Oh, remember? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this guy was a mining promoter. And in 1905, Burgess owned mining claims near Oracle, then known as Burgess Camp. Now, until then, Cody and Burgess had known each other only socially. Burgess knew that Cody was interested in mining and anything uh, that would make a fast dollar. Mm-hmm. So he went to Cody's ranch in North Platte, Nebraska in 1905 or 1906 to try to sell Cody his interest in the mines. Really? So This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Burgess was pretty persuasive, and here's what he said. I'll tell you, Bill, there's a fortune down there for the man who has got the courage and the foresight to invest. This is what he told Cody. Mm -hmm. Can you see kind of where that's going? Oh, yeah. So Cody said, are you sure of that? I could mighty well use a little money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he says, sure as the sun's shining, Bill, if you invest $5,000 now, before two years is up, you'll have 20 times that back. Now, was this a salesman or what? Well, I wouldn't call him a salesman. Yeah, okay. Shyster, maybe. Yes, better. So Buffalo Bill was skeptical, and he consulted his old friend, L.W. Getchell. Now... Before I go any further, let me just tell you about this Getchell guy. Yeah. He has a son. They're crooked. Okay. You mean they were, they were of nefarious crooked. means? Yes. So this guy Getchell was in New York. Getchell actually had an extensive background in mining and was one of the most trusted experts of the old Comstock crowd. Oh, boy. So 
uh, Getchell had given up mining and was not eager to go back to Arizona, but Cody persuaded him. In the late fall of 1909, Getchell spent two months making tests and looking over the mines. He wrote Cody that he was obliged to report that the mines looked, quote, mighty good to him. Okay. No, I'm questioning something. Getchell, was he in cahoots with the other guy? No, nope. They were separate. Separate guys. So Getchell returned to New York in early 1910 with money furnished by Cody. He bought a concentrator plant and roller mill and secured workmen to go along and install them. They started west uh, on June 18, 1910. Getchell wrote Cody Cody, that he expected mining work to begin by mid-September. And soon after he arrived in Arizona, Getchell sent for his son, Noble, who was a civil engineer for a railroad to help him out. Ah, uh, Noble. Okay. What a noble, noble name. So keep in mind, Getchell yes. and his son Noble. Yes. All right, because they're going to show up. At the time, Cody's Wild West show was pulling into Ottawa, Iowa, for a run. He found a report from one of the mine surveys waiting for him, and they say maybe we can take 3500000 out of the mines if we put in the right machinery. Now, now, that's pretty tempting. Yeah. 3500000 yeah. back in 1910. What would that be today? At least 10 times that. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I yeah. would think so. So, um, Cody was... Now, he was a little bit skeptical. He wasn't enthusiastic. Uh, he says, quote, the kicker is that they say that machinery will cost another $50,000. I'll have to get someone else to invest. I can't swing no $50,000 now. As I said, you know, he was always short of cash. But somehow at the end of the show season in 1910, Cody went to his mines in Arizona with his foster son, a guy named Johnny Baker, and Baker's wife. The three spent the winter there, and Cody passed much of the time at what they called the hijinks mine, which was in the side of a high cliff. He sat near the miner's shack, not far from the uh, uh, the mine, and from that great height, he could see the entire operation below. So he's watching what's going on. No, he this. wasn't married then. Yeah, he yeah um, he'd been married, and I can't I can't remember the details, but yeah. then he remarried, and I this see. was a stepson in law or step uh, foster son. Or, anyway, I'm not sure the exact details. So Cody could sit there, and he could see the steam coming from the old boiler in front of the mine uh, as the heavy buckets were brought to the surface. He watched the ore wagons move under the three loading chutes, which in the beginning a comp. Uh, Accommodated 10 mines in the area. He had 10 mines going. Oh, my. So that same year at a party given in his honor in Tucson by a guy named Colonel D.B. Dyer, Buffalo Bill said, quote, We have the biggest tungsten mine in the world here. Besides, we have a good gold and lead mine. The tungsten mine eventually should pay enormously. Cody continued to pour money into the mines. When he arrived at the beginning of winter, he had his share of the previous season's $400,000 show profits. He made 400000 that year just with his Wild West show. But there's well, a... Okay. Yeah. When, he, when he left in the spring, he had spent most of his earnings. By the end of 1910, he'd sunk $70,000 into the venture while it was still exploring. They still hadn't taken any... Tungsten or gold or lead. And nothing. the one thing you never said was, how many people did he have under his employment? Well, 
so that's where this Getchell guy comes oh. in that was kind of kind of running things. I see. So uh, during his day, Cody and this Colonel Dyer had formed what they called the Campo Benito Mining and Milling Company. Dyer became a big investor and came to Cody's rescue during many financial crises. In November 1911, the company became the Cody Dyer Mining and Milling Company, Incorporated, and combined all their mining claims in one company. So they had a bunch of mines in that area, 15, 20, who knows. So from time to time, Cody uh, interested other investors in the mines, though records show he did not actually visit the mines until after his show closed in 1910. With him away most of the time, the Getchells were in complete charge. Oh, boy. His friend and his son, Noble. Mm -hmm. Okay. They called in a mining engineer to make a report. According to historical records, the engineer made a, quote, fantastic lying report. I see. Not so good. Noble Getchell, the no good son, set out at once to locate other nearby claims for purchase. Through his efforts, the Cody Dyer Company bought the Orofina claim for $1,250. The company didn't know, however, that Noble Getchell himself kept $250 for himself just as a commission. Oh, yeah. Just a nice guy. Sure. Noble then arranged for the purchase of the Southern Bell Mine uh, for $14,000. And since the company didn't have that much ready cash, Colonel Dyer gave a note for the purchase. Noble Getchell, the good guy, according to his arrangement with Brady, was to receive half the purchase price as commission. He got $7,000 out of that, out of buying that mine. This kid really is something. He, he, he is. Well, uh, anyway, uh, this Brady guy went to Kansas City, sold the note, and never returned. Uh, anyway, by June 1911, Cody had invested over $100,000 in the mines. Some ore was being sold, but as yet not enough to be profitable. In the fall of 1911, three weeks of terrible rain over the mountains washed out bridges and mining roads. Oh, boy. So profits came slowly when Cody sent Johnny Baker, his foster son, to investigate. Baker found 30 men on the payroll, but only eight of them were actually working. Holy cow. So this Getchell guy who's supposed to be running things, he's got 30 men being paid and only eight of them actually working. Well, so, what did they do then? Well, the mines just steadily declined. Yeah. Uh, the operation just got worse and worse. In 1915, the price of tungsten actually went up and the machinery was still in good condition, but Cody had been bled dry. He, he had no more money to keep it going. So he'd reached the end of uh, his experience with mines. And he filed bankruptcy. No, he didn't. But until his death on January 19, 1917, he held out hopes for his mines. In 1916, he wrote a family member that he had prospects of selling his mining interests for $200,000, but no sale materialized. What happened, what happened to the father and the son? Did he no, throw no, them out? They just disappeared. They just Gone. Really? After probably getting paid all the time they were there. So. You'd think old Buffalo Bill would have uh, maybe chased him across the desert or something. Anyway, during World War I and World War II, the price of ore got higher and higher, but by then it was too late. 
you know, he was dead, you know, and... Did they ever open the mines at all? They did keep going at a very lower pace, you might say. Really? And, and, and did somewhat okay, uh, but I don't think they ever reached the the three and a half million or two and a half million that, that they thought. But Buffalo Bill held the mines only seven years. He lacked the considerable capital required uh, to produce anything with the mines. And we wondered what might have happened had he had more time and more finances. He might have been able to make it. Could he, with all of his contacts, couldn't he have had a partnership of... Well, he tried to get investors. And he evidently did get some investors, but not enough to really keep things going. I see. So... But uh, now, did he die basically penniless? Pretty much. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He. Uh, I can't remember where he was buried, but uh, isn't it North Platte? Wasn't or North is Platte. it in Cody itself? I don't think it's Cody. Oh, for some okay. reason, that, that doesn't right. sound right. But uh, anyway, the you know the the mines they kind of kept going and. Uh, but didn't really make the the big big dollars. That but they, what about the stepson? Don't know. Don't know what happened. The foster son. Don't know what uh, if he just you know realized that it wasn't going anywhere and just went on his way. So Buffalo Bill, uh, he was married once and then didn't remarry again. Is that right? You know, I should have checked that out because uh, his wife Lulu and their four kids. Maybe they. He may have still been married to her, and the foster son may have just been somebody that he adopted. I see. I, I'm not I see. sure. But uh, this Oracle, Arizona, uh, you know, it's just a, a small place in the Santa Catalina Mountains. Uh, it, now it's a history of mining, dude ranches, and health resorts. There's a few families still there that occupy some of the old homes. Hmm. Uh, its population of 1,500 is, as they say now, primarily made up of Easterners. Uh, but uh, anyway... Uh, yeah, it's not too far from Tucson. I did not equate Buffalo Bill Cody uh, with anything in Arizona like mining. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Well, we I'll all know about all of his other adventures. You know, and, and he did well. Whatever happened to the Wild West show? When did that terminate? Well, he died in, what did I say, 1918, 1919? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't know that it kept going after he died. Nobody carried it on? I, I don't know that for sure i'm not sure i see but uh you know there were a lot of wild west shows out there besides his but his is the one that when you say wild west show you think buffalo bill now how old was he when he died i am not sure oh okay i'm not sure how old he was you better here's here's a picture of him right here uh, With the flowing yeah, beard. You know, the beard, and, the yeah, mustache. Yeah. You know, that's the picture you always think of when you think of Buffalo Bill. The, actually, the picture that I always remember of Buffalo Bill, and I've only got a minute left, was where he's standing there holding on to a carbine in one hand, a Winchester, and his hat's tipped way to one side. You've seen that picture, I know. Yeah. yeah. So here's a picture of the of a hotel. That was built in Oracle wow. during the, I guess, somewhat of the boom time. Now, is that still there? I don't know, because this, uh, this article was written in 1990, um, so hmm. that's where Buffalo Bill would often stay um, with his wife, Lulu. So evidently, he was still married to Lulu, okay. who wasn't really fond of his pastime of mining. Well, <laughs> I don't know anybody named Lulu, do you? <laughs> 
I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I better be careful. Okay. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.